And someday I want to be that kind of person who inspires other Welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shanaz Ahmed, and today we are talking with Christina Nadenova. She is a 13-year-old author, and her book, The Black Sisterhood Files, has done quite well on Amazon. So without further ado, here's Christina Nadenova. Christina, welcome to the Living a Life Through Books uh, podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. You bring a great perspective into my for my podcast, for my listeners, for readers and writers. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yes. How old are you? 13. 13. And you wrote a book. Yes. I published it um, in May of 2020. May 2020. Okay. So let's talk about this. When did you think about even writing a book? And then when did the story come to you? The whole process of it, because you've only been alive for 13 years. (laughs) So I think I actually uh, got the idea of writing a book when in second grade, we were assigned a project to create short fairy tales. And my second grade teacher complimented my writing style. And she said that I had a unique um, I, I had some unique perspectives writing that she hadn't seen in other students. And that's when I began to think about writing an actual novel. And I started out first with, you know, tr- rather trivial things like short stories or poems. And I derived the idea for an actual thriller book when I read my first Stephen King novel. What novel was that? Pet Cemetery. Even though the plot of my book isn't, I guess, even nearly as close to Pet Cemetery, it's really, I guess, aroused my passion for the genre of um, crime and thrillers. Is that the genre you uh, foresee yourself sticking to down the future, in the future? I think I definitely want to experiment with some more like realistic fiction, maybe because I've always been intrigued by that as well. But for the most part, I would say thrillers, yes, because I guess um, the ideas just come to me the best when I'm writing horrors or thrillers. So let's talk about uh, your story. It's called The Black... The Black Sisterhood Files. Yes, The Black Sisterhood Files. When did you start writing it? Like, do you have a date? Like I started on this day, I finished on this day. What was that whole process? Mm -hmm. So I don't uh, remember the exact dates, but I do remember I started writing when I was, I think in December of 2017, I believe. And I finished up in 2019, somewhere in late 2019. And that's when I started progressing towards publication and finding an age that was willing to work with me and represent my work. And it was quite a strenuous process because I did undergo many rejections as all authors do. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I partnered with a good agent and they helped me third. And though I ended up getting self-published because it does provide an alley of more independence, right. I was still able to work with a literary agent. Wow. So you started when you were 10 years old. Um, yeah, well, nine, 10 years old. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell me that process. How long did it take for your first draft? And so I ended up going back and deleting about five drafts because I didn't really have a strong foundation. Okay. Um, I guess my first five drafts, I didn't even get through that many pages. I only got through around 10 before I just, 
I decided to scratch everything and restart because I didn't like it. And then I guess I learned that when writing books, you have to write it all the way through. Then you go back and edit because if you just, if you keep on going back and starting from scratch, you're never going to get to the end of the novel. So I guess it's important to just finish it and write it all the way through without really looking back and then work on correcting your mistakes and whatever flaws may be in the book. Motivate me. What makes you keep going? I mean, it's really hard for teenagers. I mean, it's hard for adults, I mean, and teenagers especially, mm -hmm. to keep going. And mm -hmm. you just talked about pitching the first five half drafts, right? Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. you talked about rejections from agents, which a lot of people do experience. Mm -hmm. Where do you find your resilience? So from? that's a, yeah, that's a great question. I find my resilience in seeing other young creators and young authors and their motivation and passion for inspiring others. Because, you know, my work, I published a book to inspire other young writers and have my writing resonate with other people and, you know, speak on podcasts and different broadcasts like these to have my work impact and, you know, and just inspire and maybe even motivate more people. So I guess the answer to your question would be, I looked at all the young creators and the young authors around me and I thought, wow, this is so amazing. I'm so inspired by their work. And someday I want to be that kind of person who inspires other people. And that's what kept me going despite all the rejections and rough patches I did undergo throughout the process. So you just keep your focus and you just keep looking. Yeah, I try to, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you. Isn't that hard? Yeah, it's incredibly difficult, I will say, because there is, you know, there's always um, mounting peer pressure and the views and the perspectives of others, which aren't always positive. And it does downplay and relegate a little bit in the whole process. But overall, I just try to keep my head up and, I guess, keep going. Mm -hmm. Wow. Who would you attribute your success too? Do you have one person that you would be like, hey, it's this person or is it a combination? I think I would definitely say my older sister uh -huh. because throughout everything she kept, she didn't exactly push me, but she kept supporting me because she never actually, she never made me feel as if I had to rush into the process. She always gave me this platform of support. I like to think of it as, um, she was kind of the launch pad for a rocket and I was the rocket. She was the one who helped, I guess, engineer my launch and helped support me through everything and get me through all the rejections. And I was upset. And I was the rocket who using her support took off by myself. That's, that's beautiful. That's Thank absolutely you. beautiful. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It's just kind of like a metaphor I put together last minute. Mm -hmm. No, no, it, it, it's great. I love it. Thank the you. launch pad really metaphor. That's good. You should use Thank it you. in your motivational speeches. I definitely will. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Yes. So how many rejections do you have a number? Did you get, did you even keep count? Like, I know there are authors who are like 32, 36, 20 something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely did keep count. I got 23 rejections in total. And um, I guess it was a harsh blow when I got my first rejection, because when you're going into this arena, basically any arena as a young, as a, I was not even a teenager when I started querying all these literary agents, I, I guess I had much higher expect expectations. I didn't know how truly difficult it was to break out as an author. So I thought I would just get going in the first literary agent. I would just query them. They would say yes. And I had my book <laughs> published, but it didn't work out like that. And I experienced 23 rejections. Then on the 24th, I found an agent who's willing to partner with me, which was great. Mm -hmm. So 
what do you think about that? Do you just think, because it's not like, oh, I got a rejection. I'm going to change my story. I'm Mm -hmm. going to change this. I got another rejection. I'm going to change this. Mm -hmm. You just kept going. Mm -hmm. And on your 24th, you got accepted. What are your thoughts about that? What are your thoughts about the other 23 and the 24th who accepted you? Yeah. So I guess some of them had fairly valid reasons. Either the genre wasn't fit for them or... Um, I'm not sure, but yeah, some of them had reasons that I guess I could see as logical and valid. However, a couple of them were just, I guess, blatantly rude. One even said that I should be focusing on normal kid things like school and friends. No, are you serious? You know, well, yes, I'm serious. I'm fully serious. But um, it was a really harsh blow when I received that email. And I actually considered giving up because I thought maybe they're right. I almost let it get to my head. But then I realized that this is just one person's opinion. I won't let it change my path. I will keep going and I won't let them tear me down. That's, that's awesome. Thank but is, isn't that what really got you towards the end mm-hmm. is that no matter how many times you yeah. fall, mm-hmm. you get up yet again. Yeah. So I actually really used to take other people's, I guess, hate to heart, but now mm-hmm. I realize that I can just use it as a fuel to ignite my success and to not really to prove them wrong, but just to amount to success for myself. What are your hopes? I mean, now you're 13. What are your hopes between now and high school? You haven't even graduated high school. Mm -hmm. So I'm in eighth grade right now. And I think that in between right now and graduating high school, I plan to write one, maybe two more books. And then later on in life, I plan to write some more because writing is a tremendous passion of mine and I want to continue cultivating it. I also want to work hard to get into a university I've been eyeing for a long time now and, you know, focus on things like grades and my, and the profession that I aspire to have. Which is what's the profession you inspire to have? A lawyer. lawyer. I've always been so invested in law. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you're going to be a lawyer and an author. Well, you're already an author. Well, you're already an author. Never Mm -hmm. mind that. Scratch that sentence. Mm -hmm. You, you're going to be a lawyer. You're going to write more books. I'll try my best. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I possibly looking at the next president of the United States? I'm, I'm just asking. I actually, I really want to become the next president of the United States. And my parents have always told me they think I'd be a great fit because I, I guess, well, first of all, I'm really good at speaking and I love public speaking. So it would be a good fit for me all the debates and all those speeches and everything. And, you know, I love, again, as I said before, I love to practice law and I, I'm not entirely sure who said this quote, but it was, think not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And I've always lived by that quote because I just, you know, if I was president, I would try to help the people to the best of my capacity. Mm-hmm. John F. Kennedy. Yeah, John F. Kennedy. Yeah, yes. it, it come to mind at first, but yeah, that quote oh, has stuck with me since I first heard it. That That's wonderful. So mm-hmm. tell me about a path between now And let's just say you're going to be Madam President down the road. Mm -hmm. So between now and Madam President, let's talk about the books you're going to write Mm -hmm. and how that's going to how that's going Mm -hmm. to be influenced based on your goal in that Mm -hmm. that trajectory. So I guess when I'm still in high school and I'm still a teenager, I plan to focus on writing thriller and fiction books. However, um, when, I like to think when, not if, but when I become a lawyer and a president, I want to have that kind of, you know, like when mentality, not if mentality. 
I plan to write some books on maybe law and nonfiction like other presidents and lawyers have written in the past because I do love to read those kinds of books. And I know it intrigues and educates many people. Okay, books on law. Are you um, keeping track of your life right now to be able to write a memoir down the road or? Uh, what, what do you mean by that? So like keep a diary of your days and everything. So if you were to look back and mm-hmm. you were going to write a memoir, mm-hmm. that would, you know, yeah. are you even thinking in that direction? I mean, mm-hmm. that would be a good thing to yeah. think about. I, I don't know. I'm... Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you. And actually, this is a really interesting fact. I, um, it's also a pretty fun fact, but I have a scrapbook of every single person that I've ever met. Whether it's even whether it even was just a five second interaction, I have a scrapbook with over a thousand pages. Well, not a thousand pages, but over a thousand little notes of every single person I've ever met, my impressions of them, how they could have influenced my life, and other things like that. Whether it was a virtual meeting or an in person meeting or wherever, I do keep a scrapbook on every single person I've ever talked to. Again, even if it was just a very short interaction, because I guess that's what helps build my memories and perhaps in the future even make make way for a memoir. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I'm going to go in your book now. Woo. <laughs> yeah. 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 Every single person I've ever met will go into that book because I guess it's a great way and very unique way to harness all my memories. Okay. So how do I write a book? What do I do? So I would start off by just, I guess, brainstorming and trying to experiment with different genres and short stories. For example, for me, I tried to write a short uh, fantasy story that did not work out. I knew automatically that fantasy was not my genre. I tried to write in realistic fiction, which actually did work out pretty well. But when I wrote a thriller, I just felt this, I just had a very like burning passion to continue writing, to write even more in that same genre. So what I would say is take some time to write a couple of short stories in different genres to first figure out which genre suits you the most and then brainstorm on different ideas that could actually go into the novel. And then just write? Yeah, and then you just write. And I guess don't look back while you're writing your first draft, just write to the very end. You know, of course, if there's minor mistakes like punctuation or grammar, you can fix those. But when it comes to the bigger aspect of things, don't focus too much on that because it'll just set you back. It'll just keep setting you back and you'll never actually get to the end of writing the book. Okay, so after a first draft, what do I do? After I wrote my first draft, I looked over it myself at first, and then I sent it into a professional editor because that does really help. I myself as a reader, if a book is not properly, if it doesn't have proper logic, punctuation, grammar, that just autonomously degrades my entire impression of it. So it is worth the effort and the time and the money to get a professional editor. Did you ever have uh, friends read it before you went with an editor? and or after, and did you take their feedback at all? Uh, Not any friends, because I wanted to have them already read it when I put it out into the world. I obviously gave them free copies, but I I had my family members read some of it and gave me their constructive feedback along with the feedback the professional editor gave me. That's great. And did you have another editor? Because I know you had an agent, right? Mm -hmm. So did they give you another editor? Did you go through the second? time around or no? Yes. So the first editor was more focused on grammar and punctuation and I guess not really small things like that, but more of the rudimentary things. Whilst the other one was focused on the more logical aspect of the whole book. Okay. Mm -hmm. So 
Tell me again why you self-published versus going with the traditional publisher. I ultimately self-published because it does give a lot more independence, especially when it comes to events such as podcasts. Because with a traditional publisher, I'd have to ask my publicist every single time that I query to go in a podcast or write an article or really? my marketing tactics. Yeah, I did my research in it. And most of the time, that's unfortunately how it is. Also, I've heard, I guess, many core stories of authors whose publicists and agents have just evaporated and taken, I guess, all their hard work and all the royalties they've earned. So that has happened to quite a few authors. And I really did not want to experience that because it's obviously one of the most How does that work? That what do you mean they just explain that? So mm-hmm. let's say I have a book and I have a publicist mm-hmm. who's not good mm-hmm. and they just the money goes to the publicist first before it comes to me. Is that how it goes? And so if the publicist just disappears and just takes the money, is that how that you're talking about? Sometimes. Yes. And I did not want to take that risk. I actually know an author who um, she reached out to me and she asked me if I'd be willing to support her novel because she's, she's an independent author and she was struggling a little bit with her sales. And I said, yeah, of course. And she said, would you mind getting the paperback because my publicist who's in charge of the ebook copies disappeared and they take all the money that comes with ebook copies. And I was like, wow, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's, that's horrible. And I didn't actually ever think that could happen, but I guess it does happen in the publishing world. So yeah, yeah. That's why I ultimately went with self-publishing. Wow. I have, you know, I've talked to a lot of authors Mm -hmm. and I've never heard of it, but then again, there's always uh, villains everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. In every single field, in every single aspect of the world, there's always villains. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. Um, how do you market your book? Like, how did you find me? Like, I mean, I, I don't even have that many followers. I'm like, how did you find me? And how do you market your book? Mm-hmm. I actually found you through a fellow author of mine. Her, She's the author of North of Something. It's a historical fiction novel. Jamie McGillan. And, yeah, and I listened to, yeah, um, she's she's a very kind person, mm-hmm. also a great author. I listened to her podcast event with you, and I decided this was something I also wanted to do. I really liked the way you interacted and engaged with her and just how your podcast, or, yeah, you know, I just really loved your podcast. I listened to some more episodes afterwards, and I decided to reach out to you. Wow, and thank you. It, yeah, of course. And to answer your um, per previous question I market my book usually by just targeting audiences on different social media platforms because that's what's worked um, for me the most like using the right hashtags and engaging with the bookstagram community because there's a whole community on Instagram called bookstagram that where they love to share books and their thoughts on them and I've found the community is very very supportive they they're all willing to help out a young independent author so I've had a lot of success there and I'm really grateful for, for the bookstagram community because without them, I wouldn't have achieved the bestseller status on Amazon of my book. Mm-hmm. That, that's so awesome. So Thank let's you. talk about what hashtags mm-hmm. yeah. you use as a young author. And also, who are you targeting? Mm-hmm. I'm targeting mostly young adult readers because I found that my book appeals most to that group of people in that age group. So I try to target them the most and I use hashtags such as bookstagram, authors of Instagram, young authors of Instagram, indie authors of Instagram, because I do know that a lot of readers often search those hashtags to find different authors they can support. And I've personally done that myself as well, because I know as an indie author, it can sometimes be difficult to break through because we get a lot less opportunities than traditionally published authors. So 
for me, I try to read more books by indie authors than traditionally published authors because I know traditionally published authors with huge like New York Times bestselling books that have sold over a million copies don't get the same joy from even one sale as do indie authors. Really? Mm-hmm. I've learned that, well, most indie authors, they never really see the success that traditionally published authors do, and they never actually sell more than 50 copies, which comes as a surprise, but that's how self-publishing works because a lot of the large bestseller lists are quite biased against indie authors. And even if they have sold the correct amount of books to qualify for one of the big bestseller lists like USA Today or Washington Post or New York Mm -hmm. Times, um, because of the fact that they're indie published, they often get demeaned in that area. Hmm, that's kind of... That's a bummer. Yeah, I actually read an article on it a couple months ago about how this whole scandal with New York Times and how they denied an indie author the opportunity, even though that indie author had sold a good amount of copies to dominate, I think it was number four on the New York Times bestsellers list. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Would it be okay if I asked you how many books you have sold so far? Yeah, of course. I've sold around 1,300. 1,300? Wow, that's great. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I it took a lot of hard work to get to that amount of copies sold, but I'm very happy with, with the progress I've made so far. Mm-hmm. How do you schedule time between school, mm-hmm. marketing your book, and I'm sure you're working on writing another book somewhere, yeah. right? So yeah. mm-hmm. how do you how do you parcel your time? Because most when I was a kid. I'd be lucky if I even spend half an hour at school and the rest of the time, I don't even know what I was doing. So how do you be so productive with all the stuff you're doing? So I'm not actually always productive. I do have a lot of days where I undergo rough patches and I think every single, every single person can say that. So on Mondays through Fridays, I have school from 7.30 to 2.30. Okay. And I try to pay attention during school because my grades also matter to me and that's very important. And then afterwards, I usually take about an hour, I guess, to relax because I understand that there has to be a healthy balance between work and mindfulness. So then after that, I usually fit in some marketing, take a small break, do some homework, take a small break, then write in the evening because I find that the evening always treats me well with creativity. I'm a night owl for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do you do to relax? Mm-hmm. Relaxation, I think it comes more in terms of mentality. And I guess people have different perspectives on self-care. Some people find self-care as, I know, taking a hot shower, making a cup of tea, things like that. But for me, it's more about mentality. For example, I try to meditate or just sit in peace for a couple minutes. That really does help. I also practice manifestation and, you know, the belief in thinking the universe has some sort of a, I guess, a plan for me and I should always just put my faith in the universe and in the energy and if I radiate positive energy I will get positive energy back in return if I radiate negative energy I will get negative energy back in turn because the universe is a mirror and it's a reflection on your own self so everywhere I go I try to spread I guess kindness and compassion others because sometimes that's the best form of self-care you you get happiness by giving rather than receiving yeah, yesterday was uh, National Kindness Day, was it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you do yeah. anything for it or? Well, I mean, I was just, I guess, extra kind to everyone. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I also um, was extra nice to my sister, which is usually not a frequent occurrence. <laughs> but yeah. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I, I think I found out later in the evening that it was kindness day. And I'm like, oh, I did say a kind word to this person. I mean, yeah. I wasn't doing it because of kindness day. So I was like, yeah. okay, check mark. I was okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. What kind of books do you like to read? I like to read a very wide variety of books. I don't exactly have a favorite. Um, I would say most of the time my to be read list or the books that I read is thrillers and horror because that's what helps establish my inspiration for the stories and the books I write. But I also try to have a healthy mix between fiction and nonfiction. So I do like to read plenty of autobiographies and biographies, not only on authors like me, but on just influential people all around the world, uh, such as Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, or Barry Ginsburg. I've read all of their biographies wow. and I found a lot of inspiration and um, worthwhile knowledge there. Wow, you've read some big ones. Mm -hmm. They're they were a little bit complicated. You know, there's obviously convoluted language in them and some pretty complex topics that were difficult for me to understand at times. But those books really, really helped me gain a deeper sense of the world. How has uh, reading books helped your writing? Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, I there's a quote by Stephen King that says, well, he, the quote is, if you write books or stories without reading that's like climbing mount everest without a harness you're just going to fall and you're just going to flail and you can't get back up because books are a plant that seed of inspiration in our minds they're they're what provide us with creativity inspiration new vocabulary new ideas new ideas for characters or plots so i really i really think it's funny if somebody tries to be a writer without even reading books. It's just, it's a little bit amusing to me because you can't really do that. That's just, I, I, I don't know how that would work. No, that is true. I'm just, yeah. you know. Yeah you, yeah, you can't write without reading books. That's, that's how I always thought of it. Right. No, I, I completely agree with you. Mm -hmm. You see the books behind me, you know, it's just it's yeah. kind of like. Yeah, I, love that <laughs> uh, I, I love to read, you know, I'm working on writing too. So um, let's see. If you were on a deserted island and you were allowed only five books, what books would they be? That's a very interesting question. Um, definitely my book, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Then, well, it's a hard question. I'm trying to think <laughs> of all the books that I read and which ones were most impactful with me. I guess just a copy of my book as a keepsake because it's one, one of my most treasured possessions then probably Steve Jobs' biography that okay. changed me forever. Um, I would, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now and I'm just thinking what book I should select, what book had a very big impression on me. Um, probably Salem's Lot by Stephen King. That okay. was, yeah, that's one of my favorite thrillers of all time. A classic novel I would choose is The Great Gatsby. And, oh, good one. Yeah, and then a book in a different language that I really like that had a very strong effect to me because I also speak Russian. So one of, do, do you know um, Pushkin? He's a Russian poet. I've heard of him. Yeah, Pushkin. He has a collection of short stories and poems that basically define my entire childhood and they made me who I am today. So I definitely take that collection with me. So you're fluent in Russian then? Yeah, I, it was my first language. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That's excellent. So you read both Russian and English. Do you speak any yeah. other languages or...? I'm learning Spanish right now. It's, I guess, well, Spanish is pretty similar to Russian in some ways with the pronunciation and some of the words. So it's a bit easier than it would have been if I didn't know Russian, but it's still 
pretty difficult. And I wish I would have learned it at a younger age because it would have been much easier for it to stay in my memory, entrenched in my memory at a younger age. Cool. What books are on your um, TBR? I have a lot of books on my TBR list, but my number one right now is Untamed, Raglan and Doyle. I've heard so many good things about that book. Um, I also have many fantasy books on on my TBR because I really... I guess I really have a dearth of fantasy in my overall reading. Uh-huh. Um, also plenty of classics because I've been a little low on reading classics lately. So I've been trying to get to reread some and get to some new ones. I have been endeavoring to read more Shakespeare because he is, I guess you could say he's the father of English literature and poetry. He is the one who, well, he was, he's considered a writing genius and one of the most influential authors and poets of all time. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to incorporate some more Shakespeare into my to-be-read list. Shakespeare is a playwright. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I so I actually recently finished Hamlet by him. Mm-hmm. And I would say his writing style isn't, isn't my favorite, but I can definitely see why is he, why he is considered so influential. Because back then, especially when he was writing books, it was just unheard of to be such a talented, well-expressed, um, thoughtful writer. Shakespeare had such an... Yeah. Amazing grasp of the English language. Yeah. yeah. It's it's just unreal to be honest how yeah, it's just unreal to be honest how he could just take words and weave them into such beautiful phrases that impact and will continue to impact people for hundreds of years. That is that's really cool. Are you planning to write a series with this Black Sisterhood Files? Yeah, a couple of people have been uh, asking me about the same thing and asking if I'm planning to write a second book. I'm not sure. Because when I first began to write it, I had in mind that it would be a standalone. But now that I think about it, a second book could be good. Maybe a duology or a trilogy or a tri or a trilogy could be good. So I'll I'll consider it. I'm still thinking about it. Okay, and uh, but uh, but you may just just do another different thriller or horror. Yeah, and move yeah, that maybe way. a different standalone because it's much easier for me to write standalones, and I myself as a reader prefer standalones than series. Um. I'm pretty sure I'm the small majority in that because I know a lot of people would prefer series, but I do love standalones much more. Well, it, I don't know how I feel about that, really. I mean, it, it, I go both ways. If the series yeah. goes well, then yay. And then there are times when you're like, you just yeah. want a book and you want yeah. to get done with it. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are some series, obviously, like Harry Potter, Percy Jackson, that I adore. And they're my favorite series ever because they shaped they also played a predominant role in shaping my childhood and all of my dreams and aspirations. But most of the time, I do prefer standalones. What kind of childhood books did you read, like other than like a kid's book, kid's mm-hmm. book? Roald Dahl. I read a lot of Roald Dahl when I was a kid and I I was in love with his writing. I still am. I definitely think he's my favorite children's books author of all time. And I think many other kids could say the same because I don't know, his books are just so creative and unique and honestly played a huge role in the industry of children's books. And I will forever, I will forever respect him for all of his work. So how do people perceive you mm-hmm. now that you're a 13 year old author? Do, do you feel a difference in your classmates, your teachers? Mm-hmm. Do you feel that they treat you differently or? Mm-hmm. I feel as if there are a lot of subconscious um, stereotypes. Okay. Because when, our brain, our brain is engineered to make shortcuts. Our brain is just an engineer to find the short solutions to different things in life. Mm-hmm. So usually when you look at a 13-year-old girl like me, a 13-year-old girl living in America, growing up in 
a, you know, a, a really good neighborhood, you think of, I guess, a spoiled brat addicted to social media. I mean, that's a lot of people's perceptions of teenage girls growing up in good neighborhoods in America who go to a good school and just, you know, yeah. So I think a lot of people have subconscious stereotypes and don't realize how hard I have worked to get to where I am today because people who haven't been an author or a writer do not understand how difficult it is to break through in this industry and to write a book to begin with. So now that you're an author, do people come up to you go, oh, like, are they shocked because they have that preconceived notion that you're a spoiled brat? And then it's like, wait, no, you're an author. Do they treat you like, do they actually mock you and go, yeah, right. I mean, who are you pretending to be? Mm -hmm. Or is there more respect that you're getting from people? That's kind of what I'm. For the most part, I would say more respect from um, older people, like my teachers and different parents. But for my classmates, there is a slight mocking sensation because I guess, I don't know, I just, many of them don't share the same interests, such as reading or writing. And a lot of my friends have been incredibly supportive of my novel, but there are many people who aren't exactly supportive of my endeavors. So I try to shrug it off because I do understand that not everybody is going to like me. Um, I will make enemies out of people in life. That's just how life works. So I guess I don't take it to heart. I just try not to take it to heart. Mm-hmm. And you just do your thing. Yeah, I just try to do my thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you get people your age, even older? I mean, I have people my age who are like, I don't want to read. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my gosh, a book. And and I've had people just argue with me about, I just rather watch the television show. And I'll be very honest, I'm just sick and tired of the conversation personally. Yeah. But yeah. how do you handle that when people yeah, don't so want to read or encouraging them to read so with things like television or social media it's much easier for people people to get addicted to that because these social medias and these apps have um algorithms that are designed to keep your eyeballs on the screen they're Mm -hmm. designed to have you keep scrolling through instagram or tiktok or snapchat or through netflix or whatever they have special algorithms that do that because that's what attracts more eyeballs and that's what they need but i guess i try to replicate the same thing even though it's more difficult because A lot of the younger generation unfortunately doesn't read and they don't understand how important it is to read because that's what cultivates your education, your understanding and perception of the world. So I attempt to write books and stories that will captivate a broad variety of audiences and will kind of give the same effect as a TV show or social media may, which is why I write thrillers because, you know, they usually have hook endings at the end of chapters which have readers keep reading or they have characters that are puzzling and want readers want to discover what happens in the end. So I try to replicate the effects implemented into social media and television into my book. How do you find a science in that? Like, do you write a sentence and, or do you, do you read a sentence and you're like, oh my gosh, that, that was shocking. So I'm going to try to replicate that scene, that mm-hmm. shock effect kind of a thing, or what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely... Well, yeah, I think that's, you know, there's no really one answer to that. So yeah, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. That's really, that's really cool. I, I love so it. Thank that, you. That's really, so what are your hopes from, from now? I mean, I know we talked about, you know, you want to do, um, you want to go to college, you want to write some more thriller books, fiction, then you want to go to college, you want to be the president, anything else in between that we missed? Mm-hmm. 
I think I definitely want to expand my interest in public speaking because since I published my book, I've been getting more and more into it before I rarely ever did any speaking. However, it's obviously been difficult with the pandemic to do in-person events. I've done one in-person event since my book got, pub got published. The rest of them are just online. And obviously it's still such an amazing opportunity and I'm very grateful for it. But of course, public speaking is always better when you're able to connect with people in real life. And you know, you're able to build that trust and the connection with them in reality. So uh, yeah, I would say hopefully this pandemic doesn't look too good right now because we just hit our second wave. And for example, um, the neighborhood where I live, we're going on a second phase of lockdown, unfortunately. So things don't look too good right now, but I do hope that when everything clears up, I'll be able to do more public speaking in person. Do you plan to join uh, groups like Toastmasters or things, uh, groups to improve your public speaking? Mm -hmm. or... There's actually a group that I've been eyeing. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, uh -huh. but um, I'm still waiting one more year because you have to be 14 years or older to be eligible for the group. Okay. It's a group that does public speaking in different events and writing workshops, and I'm very interested in being a part of it. So yeah. Wow, I would be very interested in that too. Yeah, so. it seems like a very exciting opportunity. Yeah, mm -hmm. so um, I will tell you what uh, one of the authors told me on a recent podcast. And she said that mm -hmm. if you're going in person to a bookstore, she says, mm -hmm. well, sometimes you get a few people show up or like maybe the week before someone else showed up and everyone's used up on their energy and they don't show up. But she said mm -hmm. that through Zoom, she's gotten a lot more engagement. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? So my thoughts on that, I think that's definitely true. I haven't been able to do an in-person bookstore event because all my local bookstores are closed or 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 are at minimum capacity, like five, 10 people, which obviously is just not going to work for me right. because I want a larger audience, mm -hmm. um, larger and more diverse audience than just five to 10 people. So, but I definitely agree with that. I think she has a really good point when saying that on Zoom, I guess people are just more willing to join because they don't have to be there at the actual event. I guess they feel less obliged to listen and pay attention and interact with whoever the speaker is. So are you uh, connecting with bookstores to... Mm -hmm. come up with events like this? Yeah, I connected with a bookstore in Washington, D.C. I live very close to Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. It's called Politics and Prose. It's a pretty renowned bookstore in D.C. And I, you know, obviously I can't do it as of right now because D.C. is all masks mandatory. Right. In person, yeah, inside, outside, the minimum, I'm sorry, the maximum is I think 10 people. Right. In a closed area. So it's always not going to work out right now, but I did get in touch with somebody who works at politics and pros and they said they'd be more than happy to have me come in and speak when things get I guess normal again. Mm -hmm. What is your most favorite thing about being an author and what do you hate about being an author? What I hate is seeing negative reviews in my book mm -hmm. and I try to not let it bother me too much because of course not everybody who reads my book is going to love it and I fully recognize that. However it still does hurt when people just bluntly put these re reviews out into the world which they're allowed to do I mean that's like of course they're entitled to do whatever they want but sure. sometimes it feels as if they just don't understand that the author is going to look through those reviews and it may have a negative toll so maybe be a little bit more gentle with your words and what you say especially on platforms such as Goodreads because on Goodreads everybody is brutally honest nobody holds back on Goodreads and that I have learned 100% so I guess just as a reader before, I would leave honest reviews that 
even caring what the author might might have thought. But now as an author, I realize that it really does hurt to see negative reviews of mm-hmm. the work that you put so much time and effort into. So as of right now, even if I don't enjoy a book and I am asked to leave a review for it by the author or I just want to leave a review for it by myself, I try to not tone it down because I still want to be honest, but say in a more polite way. And so, yeah, and, and the thing that I like the most about being an author is being able to connect with other aspiring authors or already published authors and create this community of support and just a love for writing. It's, it's really incredible. How do you connect with other authors? Is it through your hashtag and bookstagram mm-hmm. that you're just... Yeah. yeah. So I sometimes take the time to reach out to authors and establish connections with them, you know, follow them. Hopefully they respond to my message, follow me back. Hopefully we can connect. If not, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not always, it's not always going to work out. But again, with my hashtags, they really do help because it helps me discover other either young authors or indie authors or just authors mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. What's the best piece of advice you have received from mm. another author? That's a fantastic question. Um, I'm trying to think because I've met quite a few authors. I guess the best advice I received is from Daniel Pink, mm-hmm. who is a New York Times bestselling author of several nonfiction books. Do, are you acquainted with his works? I have not read it. I, I'm try- I know I've heard of him. What was that book? Uh, uh, think fast and slow. Is that Daniel Pink? No, that's no, not that's Daniel, Daniel Pink. Pink. His titles are more abbreviated. Like when is his news? Yeah, okay. I have not read his work. I have not read yeah. his work, but it's on my, yeah. he's one of my TBR authors. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's a really great author and he's a really great person. I went to one of his, I went to his book launch for when in September, 2019 before okay. the pandemic. So there were a lot of people there. And because my father actually, knows Daniel Pink so he invited wow. me on to meet Daniel and maybe ask him about some of his advice as an author because at that stage I was still finishing up my book and didn't really know how to get started with the whole publishing process uh-huh. so the best advice he gave me is to just I'm trying to think exactly what it was because I do remember he said something that really resonated with me I think it was something along the lines of don't let what, what other agents tell you get to heart mm-hmm because he also experienced over a dozen rejections mm-hmm. and he ended up finding an agent that was a good fit for him and that was willing to work with him diligently. Well, he really did not sugarcoat the whole process. He was frank in saying that it is very difficult. You will undergo rejections. You will undergo rough patches, but the most important thing is to just keep going forward and to keep a clear vision, always know what you want, never listen to what others want from you, just do what you want, I guess. And yeah, just keep going forward with your motives and your aspirations. That's some really, really, really good advice. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So um, all this advice and everything else, mm-hmm. are there any, are there any bookish advice you'd like to give my listeners? What I mean is, uh, are there any specific books that you would recommend on writing and I just used Stephen King's book on writing but I didn't mean it that way but I mean are yeah. there any books yeah actually I was just about to say on writing by Stephen King is uh-huh. possibly one of my favorite on writing books of all time uh-huh. also a book it's downloaded on my kindle but my kindle's out of reach right now I'm not sure exactly what it's called but I can send you the title like to maybe put in the notes show or something for readers to see okay um yeah it's also a really fantastic book it's very short 
It's about 70 pages, but oh, it wow. talks about the art of writing and how to master character development, coming up with great resolutions and character mm-hmm. arcs and all of those very important things. In 70 pages? Yeah, 70 pages. It's very efficient. I really like how the author managed to um, condense all that information into such a short, into such a short, um, how do I say, into, into such a short amount of pages, yeah. How often do you read books about writing or do you just read it once and you're done? I, that's, that's a good question. I, I re- I've read a couple books on writing. I try not to read too many because I still want to have my own perception of what writing means to me. Okay. And I don't want to let it get entangled with other people's perspective, even though they're still very valid to me. And I listen to them and I listen to what other authors have to say in their books. But I, I try to read, I guess, not as many books on writing because again, I want to have my own individual perception of what writing means to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that's very fair. That, that's yeah. very fair. Are there any questions you want me to ask you or rather are there any things you want to mention here that we have not talked about so to any aspiring authors maybe listening to this um uh-huh. my advice to you is just to keep, really just keep going forward this may sound super corny and cheesy but really just never give up because there's always a light at the end of the tunnel through which you're venturing and i'll be happy to help you so is it okay if I mention my website and where they can reach out to me? Through? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. 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 My Absolutely. website is uh, Christina.co. It's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-A dot C-O. And you can reach out to me anytime there. I'll be happy to help you with marketing advice, publishing advice, or writing advice. And you're also on Instagram? Yeah. On Instagram, my username is K-R-S-I-T-N-A dot N-A-Y D-O-N-O-V-A. Your, your first name dot last name, right? Yeah. Yeah, my first name, dot last name. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very good. Christina, I'm just, I'm in awe. And I'm, thank you so much. it's just thank been you. so wonderful mm-hmm. chatting with you. And so great th- chatting with you too. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. And that's it for this time. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and hope you'll join me in my next episode. I am thinking I might either do an episode of Book Talk with Erin about the book Black Sun, or I may come up with another bookish episode. I'm still debating that one, but there'll be a new episode coming up soon, so stay tuned. Before I go, I want to talk a bit about a great audiobook app. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. Choose from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, you know the name, but you'll be a part of a much different story one that supports community. Listeners of this podcast can get a two-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code L-L-T-B podcast. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'll add the links in the show notes. If you loved this episode or any of my previous episodes, 
please take a moment to write me a review on Apple Podcasts. Please share this podcast with your family and friends and through your social media channels. Join the conversation with me on a new app called Swell. My tag on Swell is at Bookish Podcast. It's an audio app for podcast listeners like yourself. You will find something there that will interest you that you can interact with. And it's a great way to chat with me. Check it out. You can reach me through email. My address is livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com. My website is shanazahmed.com. That is S-H-A-H-N-A-Z-A-H-M-E-D.com. The opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavik. I'm Dr. Shanaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books, signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time 